0: Things, things will get interesting, yeah. right? And, and I'm, I, I'm trying to keep that PG, you know, that comment PG interesting. Thank you. It's it, a family show. You're welcome. <laughs> I, you know, just, just, just trying to, you know, uh, play my, play my role.
1: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation, interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week.
2: Good morning, Riley. How are we doing? Doing great. This year it's probably more like winter practice as it feels <laughs> like every morning we wake up with another inch of snow on the ground. But uh, it's great to have football back nonetheless. Seriously, there's
3: too much snow around here. But at least they're all indoors where, where b could stay warm all those years. That was important.
0: Yeah, you know, I was, I was at practice yesterday talking to some of the coaches and, and they were saying how mad. Um, you know, they were when they played. They didn't have the IPF like we did. And and I said, you know what, I'm happy we had the IPF because I wouldn't have came here if if that was at all.
2: I mean, let's be honest, during spring ball, there was probably days when B. Logan in the IPF was like, hey, can we get one of those heat cannons (laughs) over here It's even a little bit too chilly? No, but hey. Whether it was uh, 95 and humid or it was 20 degrees and frosty, b always came ready to play for the Cougars. Right.
3: These practices that are spread out between now and, and the middle of April, how important are they for a team that's getting ready for the Big 12?
2: Extremely important. I think a couple of things for specific for this BYU team. Obviously, the defense uh, has new leadership, new coaches, new systems. So that is extremely important. Not to mention they just they, they need to kind of remind themselves of the success that they can have, right? It, it, they were getting criticized off the field. The play, uh, I know for a lot of them, wasn't up to their expectations uh, on that side of the ball. And so getting an opportunity in the spring to kind of l- level set and reset is is great for the defense. And then anytime you're replacing a player like Jaron Hall, the offense needs its chance to get out there and, you know, who's going to step up, who's going to rise, not just at, obviously first and foremost at the quarterback position, but around it. Anytime an offense is bringing in uh, a new quarterback into the program, whether or not he started previously at other places or not, you need other players around him to stand up. And it's not just Jaron Hall. Obviously we saw what Blake Freeland did get getting all that attention uh, at, at the NFL Combine, right? So you're you're replacing things at the offensive line. Puka Nakua was far and away the best uh, offensive weapon that they had, and he and he's not coming back. So there's plenty of the the spring provides such a great opportunity for the for the next generation of the Jaron Halls, Puka Nakua's Blake Freelands. Uh,
0: Riley, speaking of the quarterbacks and and spring ball, and I can say this, I say this respectfully as a defensive player. There's really not a lot of pass rush, right? We get we can't touch you guys. We can't even touch you guys off the field or, or else we get in trouble. Um, and, and so when it comes to spring ball, uh, what are some of the quarterback – when it comes to quarterback position, what are some of the things that you guys are practicing? Uh, practicing? Um, what's what's your focus and your mentality going into a spring ball?
2: People take it for granted, but a big part of the quarterback is just having the offense run smoothly, right? Like you get the play call, you call the play in the huddle, or you, you manage communication in no huddle situations. And never be in a position where – what happens often with – Uh, especially new quarterbacks in a new system is like you're constantly the play clock for a guy who's a multi-year starter and a guy who has been in a system a long time, the play clock almost like fades into the background. It is completely irrelevant to what you're doing out on the field, but for a new quarterback, it becomes a nuisance. And, you know, if you let a few here, you know, slip here or there, first and 15 is a lot worse or sorry. Yeah. first and 15 is a lot worse than first and 10. And it was all because you couldn't manage the tempo of the offense for pre-snap right before the ball's even snapped. So that's a huge thing. Get used to the verbiage, get used to the checks, get used to, you know, the protections, get used to learning different blitzes, get used to the side adjust routes. So a lot of it is that can be done with that, even though you're not facing live bullets and contact as a quarterback. And then from there uh, it's everyone talks about, and it's very obvious uh, route running and timing with receivers, right? Where do guys like the ball? Some guys like it if you're going to miss you'd rather miss you know forehead or up obviously the ideal throw you put the you put the ball on everyone's chin but some guys have no problem kind of extending up other guys prefer in tight windows to have the ball into their body so outside of just getting used to how guys run routes it's also how do they how can i put the ball in the best position for them to have the highest likelihood of success but that also comes into play with running backs running back tracks are a little different some guys like the ball more up in their pads some guys like it down in the belly and it's not just figuring those things out, but then it's repping them over and over and over again to where things just feel comfortable and natural. You know, Rebel never let you talk this long. <laughs> I think
3: this is why you like coming on BYU Sports Nation. Riley hey, Nelson with us. So, look, you transferred in. Keaton Slovis transferred in. Put yourself in his shoes and Cougar Nation in, in his shoes. And, and what, what's he trying to get done here this spring?
2: I hope that he is trying just every day and in every minute in meetings, in the locker room, uh, in every interaction with his teammates, to prove that he is the guy. I am always leery of situations where a guy is brought in and there is an expectation that he is the starter without ever having putting the pads on. Uh, now, Keaton Slovis has started at two other P5 programs. We, You've got film on him. You can see everything that he's doing. So you don't necessarily have questions about – whether or not the guy can play. But as we saw with the neighbors to the north, right, they bring in a guy who threw for 10,000 yards in the Big 12, and they hand the ball to him game one without – well, it turns out that the other guy who had been in the program previously who had kind of sat and waited his turn, he was actually the guy. Of course, I'm referring to Charlie Brewer and Cam Rising. And I dealt with that – a lot different. I came in and sat behind Max. Like I knew there was a pecking order. I knew I had to earn myself as the backup and thing but then immediately I find myself in a situation where that expectation was there for Jake. Like the expectation was, okay, he's a true freshman. So maybe he doesn't start game one, but you know, we need to get, we need to pave the way so that he is in there. He is the guy. And that is a dangerous place, both it's dangerous culturally. And it's a dangerous place for the players because you never know what a guy has until, you know those live bullets start coming at him in in the field of play with with the teams around him so i hope keaton regardless of his starting prowess and his resume coming comes in here like a true freshman would wanting to absolutely you know earn the respect of his teammates coaches staff and everybody else uh from the ground up from what i know about him i don't know him personally haven't had the chance to meet him but everything i hear about him is he is doing that he is going about the right way but anytime there's any sniff of entitlement uh, it should make you nervous for a football team's culture.
0: You know what, Riley? I got I could. I can testify to that. Um, obviously, I was a part um, of that. Of that quarterback battle with you and, and Jake in spring. And you know, I don't know if you heard the story. I just started saying it, so I. I apologize. I'm, I'm confessing. I remember going into that spring ball, and I kind of was. I was tilted towards Jake, right? And and going back to your point of, um, you know, it, it's not a really good situation to be in from a culture standpoint and especially because I already had chosen sides, right, so much to where I remember dropping balls, like dropping interceptions when he was throwing them to me, uh, just because I wanted him to win. So, you know, I-, I That's I, like, like a gross violation of the code. I, you know, I, I know, I know. And then it got to the point where I remember getting an interception from him and he came over to me and he was like, you're not supposed to do that. And I was like, you stop throwing me the ball then. Stop, <laughs> stop throwing to my side. I throw the Brenner's side!" So, um, but you know what? So I, I apologize. And- Going back to what you said, yeah, like we kind of were divided in the locker room because we already had in our mind. I mean, it it was Team Riley, then it was Team Jake instead of just letting you guys, you know, um, go out and and earn it um, and then and then let the team follow whoever, you know, they they decided. And, you know, you saw that last year or the the, the next year when you came in um, for Jake, Utah State. And I would say this, I I kind of righted my wrongs because I was I did stand up. And started cheering Riley. Riley. So you know, I feel like I got your back in, in that sense. But I think you're absolutely right, man. When it when it comes to um, you know making sure that these quarterbacks prove themselves,
2: every situation is different, right? We're taught we're now 10 years more than 10 years removed from that, right? That that competition was happening in spring of 2010. So we're 13 years removed from it. So I, I don't always need to bring it up, but it is a personal experience that I have. Uh, to be able to speak to situations like this. It's a new coaching staff. Heck, it's a new day. Like, these players are different. Transferring was – back then you still had to sit out a year, right? And uh, the, even the rankings have gotten so much more mature, right? So Jake came in as a four-star back then and the rankings and all this. But it's just – I guess I'll just say this. Everyone thinks they know what they have, and but no one really knows – until you see it on the field. And so you're just, you just do your best to create as much stressful game-like situations as you can during spring. You're obviously gonna ramp that up even more in fall camp. And you just, as a coach, you hope you make the right decision, you're trotting the the right decision out there, game one, week one. Uh, And if you're not, hopefully that you've given the opportunity to develop other guys uh, in the depth chart that can come in and do what needs to be done. I'm just
0: glad we're able to get together to get this (laughs) off your chest after all these years. I I, I, know I feel so bad because, you know, (laughs) I, I would consider Riley, you know, one of my good friends. He was actually in, the, in the, my very first class um, that I took here at BYU, which is Pearly Great Price, which is very interesting. But, I mean, he's been with me, you know, every that's step of the my way. That's just fire, baby. That's, uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely. I, I still remember to this day every other word the teacher said. I said, who? Joseph, who? He saw what? What happened? And then Riley would, you know. Yeah, you getting over and to me. So you stick with Riley. You know he, yeah, you, you know he, uh, he. I, I, I love Riley, and, and so that's why I wanted to get off my chest because I, I, I felt bad. I feel I said, better. That thank you. you feel bad. Thank you. I appreciate All it. right
2: forgiven, man. Hey, thank I'm you. sorry for not throwing you more picks. You,
3: know, <laughs> <laughs> you could have, you could have helped him out. Uh, one thing that Slovis does have is 34 starts against P5 opponents going into the Big 12, where there's a run of 10 straight P5 starting with Arkansas. Uh, that experience alone. Should give him enough street cred, and it sounds like it has for everyone to go. We're following you because we've actually never been there.
2: Exactly, and I thought I was super excited. I, I knew they had to go to the portal once Jaron announced. Uh, I knew every we all knew, right? It wasn't insider information. We knew we had to go to the portal. It's just a question of who are we going to get? Are are you going to get a disgruntled backup? Are you gonna, you know, what what are really your options? I think to land a player of the caliber of Keaton Slovis was. An absolute win for Roderick and Kalani and all those guys. Look, coaching change at USC, right? And then he goes to Pitt, and I'm sure you guys have documented it, but and and most serious BYU football fans have too. He goes there, and then the coach that recruited him there takes another job, and he kind of left – he gets stuck in a situation that wasn't the one that he chose, right? It kind of got switched on him last minute. And so I know he's just looking for stability. He's looking for uh, an opportunity to showcase his – um, to showcase what he can do as a player in a stable environment. I think he has that in BYU. Obviously, Coach Hitake has been here, and I don't think there's any questions about his role as being the leader of this program. You have the same thing with Aaron Roderick and the leader and, and play caller and offensive coordinator. And so, you know, for Keaton Slovis to come here and lead us into our first season of the Big 12, honestly, it's the best – it's it's probably the best situation that you could ever ask for.
3: Let's stick with the quarterback theme. The uh, quarterbacks for the alumni game were announced earlier today. Uh, Ty Detmer coming back, Max Hall, John Beck, and Brandon Doman. Fabulous four selections. My question, and Matt Berry's also in that group, but my question for you is, was the NIL situation what kept you away from committing <laughs> to this year's game? Were you, were you seeking something that they could not deliver?
2: So, you know, they kept on like trying to so... – Billy and the equipment staff were always so good to uh, give us, Mitch and I, and, you know, Greg's always got to be dressed to the nines, but they gave us a nice little, like, care package for being on the broadcast team, right? So, like, I kept my gear, and so I didn't negotiate in dollars. I was negotiating (laughs) gear, and the gear package just wasn't quite there, and they kept saying, well, you've got that gear from the broadcast team. I was like, that was a separate contract. No, I'm kidding, Dave. I would – Look, um, the, the thing about quarterback is only one dude can play in an alumni situation. You can't have all of us. Well, there's not enough pass attempts to go around, right? Um, because you want to see guys get in there. You want to get a rhythm. Heck, the, the shoulder joint takes is going to take at least half a dozen throws to loosen up for any of us. So uh, I didn't get the invite this year, but – uh, for future years, I'll be down there with my boys. We watched it on TV uh, last year, yeah. but this year, as long as it's not snowing, we plan to be in the stadium and hope to have a great time.
3: I see a day when there's the left-handed Riley throwing against the left-handed Steve in a clash of titans at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. That'd be a good
2: one. And you know what? I'm already, like, I'm, get I get I I'm like, giddy about the fact that I'm going to get showed up by a guy 30 years older than me. I know that's going to happen. Come on, man, Hall of Famer. There are <laughs> levels to this game. I am not. I, I, I didn't get the invite this year. I hope to have it in the future. I will say yes whenever I do get the invite. But look, man, I'm self-aware enough. There's a ranking order to this. It goes Heisman. You know, and then you got <laughs> NFL draft picks and John Beck and Brandon Doman. Then you've got the all time winningest quarterback in BYU history and Max Hall. Like I am not. Uh, I don't think you know, what?
0: I don't think those guys got their name chanted. You know, like you did, you know, <laughs> Riley, 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 B-Log. you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, there's levels, but then there, there's also levels of competition. And I know you Tell don't you back what, down I'll at all.
2: I'll stay warm, you know, because I will always pride myself on my athleticism. If it does get too cold for you, B-Log, I'll step in, you know, play some of that <laughs> field corner for oh, you. Oh,
0: please, please. We, I mean, we can make a deal right now. We can, we can rotate every three plays. I'm, I'm good one, for
3: that. We, one thing we do know is, is, is there's a list of the toughest quarterbacks in BYU history and and Riley Nelson's right at the top, Absolutely right enough. at the top. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for your time. We'll see, uh, we'll see you down here at the alumni game here in a, in a few weeks. And, and uh, best of luck to you moving forward. We'll see you soon.
1: That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
4: What's Trending presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. Another furious rally falls short for BYU men's basketball against St. Mary's. It's so often happened this season, Jerem, that the Cougars dig themselves a deep hole and then scrap and fight like crazy to get back in it and just didn't have enough to get it done. But it's a lot to ask when you're down by 26, even to get... To within three but it was in the late. final minute. But it, it 32 just 32 seconds. Yes, yeah, just yeah. too little too late. So, ultimately, what went wrong for BYU last night, and why did they fall short against St. Mary's?
5: First off, I appreciate the fight of BYU to 100%. get it down to three. But I, what I don't appreciate is getting down by 26. Like, what went wrong is that BYU had no flow on offense, a uh, lot of one-on-one. St. Mary's got BYU out of its stuff, which they're fifth in defense. Offensive efficiency. They're fantastic. They guard you on ball well. They help. They contest. Offensively, they're super crisp. They're going to get at the rim. They got at the rim the first couple of shots. They missed a few threes to start, but ultimately they jump out like 19-8. to 8. They're up by 26, five minutes into the second half. It really felt deflating and defeating. And BYU, like in Moraga, made a comeback to make it interesting in the end. And certainly against Dayton, BYU was down 23-1 and one in the Bahamas. It was like, hey, we've seen a BYU team do this. That wasn't Dayton last night. That was, uh, you know, top five seed St. Mary's in the uh, NCA tournament. So it was tough. Alex Dukas is getting wide open threes. Aiden Mahaney's getting at the rim. But what really changed the game was when Dallin Hall had put had, had enough and didn't like the, kinda, the hand on his back from Aiden Mahaney after a play. The extended around, contact. And then suddenly BYU kind of got fired up. I just wish that fire had manifested itself earlier in the game In the run of play, as opposed to I'm really ticked off that we're down twenty right now and this is gonna come out in the form of this play right now. I think that's what happened. I think Down was upset at that. But he was more upset that BYU was down by twenty at that point in the second half. That was frustrating. Credit to the guys that that put in the work there, Dallin Hall off the bench, Richie Saunders off the bench. Who I say this in the nicest way, he's such a spaz and I love it. Like he's so energetic. He's willing to do anything that it takes. He finishes at the rim with both hands. It's fun. Tiki Aliatiki had some of his best minutes at BYU in his two-year career so far in this tournament. He was tremendous off the bench. Spencer Johnson continued to be that consistent three-point shooter, uh, shot maker, defender. Gideon George did great as well. Those guys are probably toast at the end. That play where Dallin Hall kind of falls down, he's just tired because he— BYU went with the group that came back. Rarely do you sub in the guys that got you the deficit. Um, you keep those guys in. BYU was super tired, too big of a hole. If that hole is eighteen and BYU gets fired up, like maybe BYU actually comes back in this one. But, but let's give them their flowers. St. Mary's really good, man. They're really good. All three games within seven, one six seven in this this year. Tough to beat a team three times unless you're a really good team like St. Mary's. So credit to BYU for coming back, but I just really wish BYU hadn't dug that kind of hole. And unfortunately, it was too big of a hole to get out of.
4: I'll tell you where it went wrong for BYU last night. The fact that they had to play on Monday. When is Monday ever a good thing for BYU? I mean, traditionally. Well, it's just brutal for BYU based on the choice that the school makes and the athletic department makes, which yeah. we support, yeah. to not do anything on Sunday. This tournament is not set up for BYU to succeed, although they have accommodated BYU by saying, hey, we're going to play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we'll all take a break on Sunday, and then we'll come back and play Monday and Tuesday, which is awesome that the West Coast Conference did that.
5: BYU's had Monday wins. like I, They've had I, them. I, I feel you. I just think they're just... going to be Monday games in the Big 12. Like There's going to be some league games And I, games and I will
4: go into those games Game. not expecting much. It's tough.
5: Well, we might not expect much in any game. A
4: tournament format's a little bit different than even a home game on a Monday. Like, if it's a road game on a Monday, yikes. Super rough for BYU, especially in the Big 12.
5: The women lost both Monday games as well, by the way. Yeah, okay, so you're saying the Sabbath day observance is affecting BYU on Mondays.
4: That and BYU had to play two games on Friday and Saturday.
5: That was BYU's choice by being the five-seater. 100%. (laughs) You know what I mean.
4: Right. I'm not making excuses for BYU that they had to play two games starting on Friday. But it just going into Monday I was like, Oh man, I do not like this scenario for the Cougars. And even in the nineteen twenty season, right before COVID hit, BYU was the two C. They're coming out that dramatic win against Gonzaga.
5: Beat Pepperdine the next week.
4: BYU did not play until Monday and scored fifty points and lost to Saint Mary's. Only
5: gave up fifty one though. It's should, just should, like it's just, you can still win there. Why? Yeah.
4: Why? 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 Yeah. Mon- Monday just feels like a lot to overcome for BYU, especially. start w-
5: practicing on Sunday then, if we want to win on Monday.
4: That's not going to happen. I no. know, That's but it's a choice. Not going to happen. But you could practice Monday morning if you're playing in a big Monday game and it's home in Provo. Like you could. Well, you could get something going.
5: They always do that anyway. They have a shootaround. They oh, have a shootaround every game day.
4: At your not in your home gym is what I'm making for a big Monday in the Big Twelve. Like if there's a big Monday game for BYU in Provo they can practice in their own gym and be ready by Monday night. It's not the case down here for them. And you're off-site, you come here, you play two games. It just it feels like a lot to They chose to not
5: to come on-site, right? Because they could have been here for 30 minutes I don't know about the morning. particulars
4: of that. They, I, I don't know. My
5: understanding is they could have practiced for 30 I think St. Mary's was just better than BYU. I don't think it was anything bigger than that.
4: Well, yeah, there's that, too.
5: I mean, there's all, that, too. Same really is
4: awesome, and then you throw in Mondays. There's a lot of things working against BYU. I'm
5: not huge on, like, uh, yeah, I see what you're saying. You're saying outside of the game itself, like what other things can go into this. Hey, this is a choice BYU makes. you gotta, you got to do it, and you got to – it's an advantage that you get, um, you know, with, with being attached to the church, and you get uh, access to the certain athletes associated that want to come to BYU. But it can be a disadvantage in that you're not getting in a regular practice. Day oh,
4: Skyler Halper brought up a good point last week, and he said, "BY has got to beat a bunch of three or make a bunch of three pointers. They're going to beat St. Mary's. You start the game one for eight, not great.
5: Yeah, that also play, play better is what went too. wrong. Yeah. Okay, topic two. Can you make a, a good case for BYU to get into the NIT?
4: Absolutely. It starts and ends with engagement by fans, and what's going to draw eyeballs? Yeah, that it, it begins there for BYU. Their metrics, is the fan
5: base engaged with this their team, their metrics are
4: okay. They say they're not, Jerem, but we all know that if BYU's in the NIT, they're going to watch because that's what BYU fans do. So as frustrated as they are, like, oh, please, end the season, mercy. Stop it. If BYU gets into the NIT, you will all be watching. That's what's going to happen. And there will be better engagement for BYU than a lot of the other teams that are in the NIT. It will attract eyeballs. Tell me, let's say Utah Valley doesn't win their conference tournament championship, and they get an auto bid into the NIT. You're telling me BYU at Utah Valley would not be an intriguing matchup in the NIT for the NIT selection committee to sell tickets, to draw ratings on a Monday or a Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever, hopefully not a Monday game. (laughs) Let's just
0: play it on Sunday at this point.
4: Utah Or even Utah State. They're one of the last four teams in. Utah State doesn't get in oh my gosh, Cougars Aggies didn't get to play this season. They're going to play in Logan in the NIT in the first round.
5: That sounds like the worst thing ever for BYU.
4: (laughs) They don't care what's bad for BYU. They just want, like, BYU wants another opportunity to play. Speaking of the players, talked to a bunch of the players last night. They obviously want another opportunity to not finish the season on a loss. Right.
5: Well, unless you win the NIT, you're... Or the NCAA tournament okay. you're finishing on to this. not finish
4: the season on a loss like that to St. Mary's, like they want a to play like in the postseason. Yeah. they want to play in the postseason. Sure, and
5: that's the only They're a
4: the draw. They're a draw. Yeah. It's Ken Palm 75. There have been teams that have had worse Ken Palm ratings getting the NIT in recent years, and the net rating is right on the bubble. Like it's probably not going to happen, but there's absolutely a case because BYU's a national brand, and it would be a potentially fun matchup with an in-state foe.
5: I'm off the next three days, so I'll get out my opinions here on the show right now. Please I, do. I don't think BYU is going to make the NIT. Neither
4: do I, but there's a case.
5: <sighs> I don't think there's a good case. Uh, BYU just wasn't good enough, and, and obviously this season the guys uh, gave it a good effort. Unfortunately, weren't as, as good as they were hoping. beginning of the season, we knew there were going to be some issues. Unfortunately, those were equal to or worse issues uh, in some cases on the court, obviously, with BYU. Young group that hopefully we look back, I've said this before, like 18 and 19 in football where BYU goes 7-6, and 7-6, and six, and then 20, 21, 22. It's like, okay, this team went to 11, 10, 8 wins and like took a step forward. Um, hopefully in basketball we say the same thing in the next couple of years where it was like, oh, Dallin Hall and Foose and Atiki and, and uh, Rich Saunders and so on, Jackson Robinson, that that group grows together and that in, say, two years, sniffs or maybe makes the tournament, and we go, the cost was that stinky 22-23 season. That's the hope. So we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I, I hope if BYU gets in the NIT, I, I hope the guys are up for it, right? I, frankly, I'm not sure they were up for it last year, but being at home a couple of games, they won a few, and that was great, and we're one game away from uh, New York. But uh, knowing that the Orleans awaits them uh, down the road should they make a run, that's certainly not as enticing as it used to be going to Madison Square Garden. A
4: couple of notes. Are wins against Creighton, Dayton, and two times against LMU enough to impress the committee? Those are the best wins that BYU has on the resume. Two
5: and 11 in quad one and two.
4: So you've got two quad one wins. And then you have
5: four quad three and quad four left. If they get in, great. If If they don't, I think it's okay, too. It's yeah, it's it's just tough. This year was tough.
4: Secondly, the last two times BYU did not make the NIT, coaching changes has happened in Provo. How about that?
5: Yeah, I I don't think there's a case for getting rid of Mark. There's Pope not, after this there's year. There's
4: not. I'm just saying, like it's, these seasons do not happen often. If You don't get into the yeah, NIT. There's a, a ba- high standard here. It's a bad season.
5: There's a high right? standard with BYU basketball. And the
4: last two yeah. times it didn't happen, there were coaching changes because of that standard.
5: 0-5 and nineteen.
4: Yeah, but I don't. I'm with you. I don't think. That, no. Oh, Mark Pope. If he wants to say he's going to stay, yeah. Like there's, there's too much that he's done in the first four years, right? And there too are the much. schools
5: that have courted Mark probably every year at BYU.
4: Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree yeah. with that either. Our question of the day: What is your case for BYU to get an invitation to the national invitation tournament? The Palani Kalani answers on Twitter. BYU's case is one that reigns supreme. Fannies in the seats, home or away, <laughs> and eyeballs on the screen. In other words, money, money, money. That is the case for BYU. That's what I was getting at. If they're playing an in-state foe, whether it's an Orem or, or Logan or wherever, or it's close, BYU fans will be there.
5: But it's a lose-lose for BYU in that situation to me. There's not a lot to gain.
4: What if you win? What if you win that game? <sighs> Does it salvage anything? Then no. you got 20 wins on the season.
1: The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation.
4: The Cougar Whip Round presented by Ameris, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner.
5: BYU football began spring practice yesterday. Keaton Slovis said he likes how much the offense throws the rock. And also said this about the BYU receivers. The receivers and everyone know
6: the offense so well, and coaches have been here for a while. Um, it's been established. Like, it's not like you need to go look at the playbook to ask, but you can kind of just ask a guy a question. They know it. So uh, the receivers probably know the offense better than any receiver core I've ever been around. Um, so that's really nice, and they know it really well. So after, you know, maybe after a play, we weren't sure. You can go talk to them. Um, you can trust kind of their input. Obviously, some receivers you can't always do that, but um, I think here they really know what they're doing.
5: Oh, more than 2019 USC, huh? With a couple of NFL guys, I like that. Uh, what do you make of this comment
4: uh, that the receivers are who we thought they were, which is really good in experience? Cody Epps, Keanu Hill, Chase Roberts leading the charge. The big three. This is what I expect to hear from Keaton Slovis when he's talking about those three and the guys that are coming into that room. Yeah, I, I, I'm. Happy that it's status quo, but it's exactly what I expect from Keaton Slovis.
5: Yeah, that's great. And, uh, you know, hopefully that builds some confidence, some rapport with him, because certainly those three need to combine for, like, 2,000 of his uh, 3,000 yards this year. Let's go. You know
4: what I mean? Hopefully Isaac Rex has, like, 700 plus. There you go. Uh, Tomorrow, the University of Colorado Board of Regents has scheduled a special executive session board meeting to discuss legal advice on a specific matter and an athletics update on the Pac-12. Whoa. What's the chance the Buffaloes are the first to make the jump to the Big 12, Jam? Maybe this week?
5: I, I, this week doesn't feel like that. They're probably just going to discuss where they're at. But uh, I, I it's not going to be one team. It'll be a pair or a group of four, it feels like, maybe, the four corners or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's happening this week. They'll just, here's where we're at, and it's not looking great.
4: Nothing is going to happen until we all find out what the new media deal is for the Pac-12. When that information becomes available, then everybody can decide what they want to do. But I talked to somebody last night who works in the Pac-12 offices, who works closely with some of these people that are putting together this deal, and I was told that they are anticipating that Apple and Amazon are putting together the final terms for a package that's going to be available for streaming, and then we'll see about the other TV networks. But well, They expect, that, they expect that sometime next week. So maybe next week we'll know what the Pac-12 deal is, and then we can start to see the pieces fall into place.
5: Okay. K-State recruiting out a fun uh, oh, rea- this, this reaction is... to the news from Reddit College Football.
4: This is a gem. And
5: this is the actual sanctioned uh, blue checkmarked account, is it not? For, it's got the blue check. Well,
4: anybody can buy the blue check mark now for eight bucks oh, a month. Oh, it's Twitter
5: blue. Never mind. At K State, <laughs> that's fake for sure. Okay, then. Yeah, Pac-12. Everybody's in there. Everybody's this around the
4: gravestone this in the Pac-12. Uh... the flash
5: on CW, I believe. Yeah, <laughs>
4: that's hilarious.
5: I please, please, all of my friends and family, do this when I die. That Six, photo. Sixteen in people have gathered grave.
4: around your grave. Yeah. On your tombstone, like, yeah. yeah. Don't be
5: sad. Be uh, be happy. Just that don't it's
4: happened. put pack 12 on Jerem's gravestone.
5: Yeah, don't do that. <clears throat> big 12, yeah, Big 12. You'll see the tattoo. Uh, Kyle Collinsworth tweeted this photo of a random guy in this. Japan wearing a BYU sweatshirt who said he didn't know what BYU was.
4: <laughs> Is that disappointing or impressive? <laughs> it's impressive that that dude probably went to I don't know the flea market and found a random BYU sweatshirt and was like, "That's cool. That looks cool. I'm going to buy it."
5: In in um. Now, it's not Japanese, South Korean, but in Korea, BYU is a person's name?
4: Yes. Often uh, a male, a very popular male Man name. Male name in South Korea. Yes.
5: I, I see that in Twitter. Yes, um, because we a, follow BYU. Quite a bit. Yeah, looking for BYU stuff. One time I was in Puerto Penasco, Rocky Point, Mexico. There was a bunch of stained glass, and they had a BYU stretch whileo oh, yeah. that
4: I bought. Yep. And have in my house. It's cool. I love it. I love the random things that you find in, in Asia. Like that sweatshirt, like... I walked into this little tiny little store, just a hole in the wall store, and they had all this like authentic Nike gear that I'm sh- and I was like, what, where'd you get this? And she's like, oh, there were, there were small mistakes in it, so we got it all shipped to us. But like, oh, all cool. these like authentic Nike hoodies from like all these major programs and they have no idea. It was
5: like Falcons Syrac- Super Bowl Champs. No,
4: Syracuse and Duke <laughs> and North Carolina. Was, yeah. No BYU though for me, so at least you had that in Brazil.
1: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
5: Okay, What happened last night? Why the deficit? What's the case for BYU and the NIT? I talked to Mark Pope after last night's game. All right, Coach, tough one tonight. Uh, First 25 minutes, they... They go up by 26. What kind of happened during that part of the game that allowed them to get that kind of lead?
7: Well, they're a good team, um, and their, their pace of play is uh, is good uh, for them, and it's a little disruptive to the way the game feels. And they're, uh, you know, a veteran group that's been doing the same thing for a long time. And and um, we were, man, we were really trying to find ourselves. Uh, guys are really trying to find themselves emotionally, um, and that happens sometimes. And it usually doesn't take that long. Sometimes it does. Sometimes you're playing a great opponent, and they can just like keep sucking the energy out of the gym and sucking out of the energy out of the gym, and um, that's why they're good. They're a good team.
5: You get it down to four with about 53 seconds left. Three with 32. At what point did you believe, hey, we might actually do this? Because you did it down 23 against Dayton.
7: Yeah, I mean, you know, we cut it. You know, when we were bouncing around at 15, you know, we we're talking about guys were five points away from this being a winnable game, and. and um, you know i I think that you know we spend a lot more time you know sometimes you scoreboard watching and it can be really um, it can be really um deceiving and so um, it was the energy on the court uh, was different, and when the energy changed the energy changed, and we sustained it for eleven minutes and um, so when the energy changed um, was when we were like, okay, this is finally like we we finally got to us and and um and um, so I think as soon as we felt the interchange, we're like, OK, man, we're, we're actually this is this is who we are. Um, we just couldn't get over the hump. And, and that's what happens. It's a credit to St. Mary's. Uh, the, you know, they're a top 25 team and a top 10 Ken Palm team. And they're really, really good. And and um, we just um, we're not that yet. But but we're, we're headed that direction.
5: Dallin and Richie uh, both come off the bench combined for 20. And we're in during that stretch where you come back. How would you describe what they meant to this game?
7: Yeah, I thought Dallin was great. I thought Richie was great. I thought Atiki gave us a massive lift. Um, you know, uh, I thought Noah gave us a little bit of life in the second half. I thought Gideon finally kind of found himself down down the end. Um, but but um, you know those those young guys, um, you know um, that that young group is is um, man they've they've uh, taken some real hits this year and they've accomplished some really great things this year and. Uh, mostly what they've done is put a ton of experience uh, in their pocket. And, you know, they've learned so much that we we dipped our toe, especially towards the end of the season, understanding what the cost of winning actually looks like and what it feels like and how it is. And the next step for us is can we take that and can we make it something that's so familiar to us that we can get there emotionally on call. And um, I think that this young group you know, those guys that were in the game, I think Jackson Robinson f- felt that for the first time uh, towards the end of the season. Certainly Atiki, is, he's wired that way. Um, I do think we have a nucleus of young guys that that um, have a chance to really grow into something special.
5: You played on Friday, you, you win Friday, Saturday, get to money. How would you describe the run that this team made in this tournament?
7: Um, well, you know, when we're talking about growth, I was really proud of the growth. You know, I think about the LMU, series and the first time we go down to LA and we get smoked and the second you know the second time I think the team had made tremendous strides and so we beat them soundly at home without their starting center who was probably the most impactful player when we're in LA and then here on a neutral floor uh, to beat them soundly with their starting center it's just a microcosm of how these guys have grown I'm super proud of them I mean they they've grown you know we've taken we've taken external hits we've taken internal hits and these guys have refused to stop and um, it speaks to their character and i'm super proud of the way that they've represented byu um, and uh, we're going to really miss rudy and g uh, but the rest of this crew is is um is pretty battle tested and super hungry to get better and and um you know still has a a bunch of years left in the tank and it's going to grow into something special
5: in your mind what's the case for
7: an nit bid all right guys i mean i like we're not thinking past St. Mary, so I have no idea. We'll see. We'll see that all work itself out. I don't think anybody cares what I have to say anyway.
5: In 2019, I think BYU said, hey, we don't play in anything but the NIT. Is that still the policy? It's no CIT or CBI?
7: I don't. I mean, guys, we're trying, we're trying to win a game, so you guys figure all that out.
5: Uh, how would you describe what
7: being in the WCC meant to BYU these 12 years? Um, I think it's been really special. Uh, I think it's a great league. It's a great basketball league. The league has grown incredibly over those ten years. It's it's been it's been really unbelievable to watch. Going from a team that you know maybe would have somebody jump into the top twenty-five to, to a to a, to a league that was perennially had the number one team in the country, and and um, this year I think there were stretches where six or seven teams were in the top hundred, and and. Um, so we've been really, uh, I think BYU as whole has been really fortunate to be in this league and especially basketball, it's a great basketball league and um, it's, been, it's been a great uh, place of growth for us, it's been a super humbling experience for us, um, uh, it's been an incredible learning ground for us and, and um, hopefully we can take everything we've learned here and apply it as quickly as possible so we can be, um, you know, we can grow into our next monstrous task in the Big 12. What were some of the highlights of this year in your mind? Well, you think about uh, you know you think about the, the low hanging fruit. You think about uh, special wins. Uh, Creighton was a special win um, at the time. Utah at home was a special win just because we we, we, we were going through much through so much. Uh, you know the Dayton comeback was really really special. It was uh, it was kind of the defining feature of this team all year long that um, we could play really bad but we weren't going to stop competing. Um, Uh, you know uh, this kind of run through this tournament senior night was really special Um, so I think about that but really what I think about is I think about uh, you know I think about Rudy and I think about where Rudy started and where he ended and you know I don't know if I've seen a player transform as much as he has during the course of the season I think about getting what he's meant to what he's meant to our community Um, you know there's some people that would like things to you know I don't know what some people want, but like what a gift he has been to our university and our community in terms of like teaching us about the world and giving us the opportunity to serve the world and teaching us about loving people and and him coming and competing and sacrificing for this team and him growing as a person and a player. um, He's just been a gift to BYU. And um, so I think about each of these young guys and the, you know, the, the fires that they were thrown into and how they kept responding over and over again. And I think about, um, you know, the future that is, that is uh, incredibly exciting for, for this group. Um, it's not an easy season for us, not an easy season at all. We knew that going in, that we were going to face a ton of challenges. And Gideon and Rudy knew going in that we were way too small and new and young. Um, but I don't think there's a single guy in our locker room that's not really proud of the growth these guys have undergone and, and super encouraged and exciting about um, what we're going to do in the future. So I think all that is, is all the stuff that I love so much about this year.
5: And that future could be a couple days away, perhaps a couple weeks. We'll see. Um, in the Big 12, what does the offseason
7: look like in the next couple weeks? Well, we got to get back to work. we got to get better. We've got to get a lot better. Um, we know that. We, we know how daunting this task is, and we know that it's going to be a long-term project, and uh, we're not scared of it. Um, uh, we're humble. We understand that, that you know that we have, you know we're we're we're, we're going to be transported to the base of Mount Everest, and, and uh, you know we're going to get tortured along the way. And but, but, you know we're we're a team of faith and belief, and and um, we can see past uh, today to a future that we're chasing. It's going to be really exciting. Do You know any good Sherpas for that climb? Well, that's our job.
4: Thanks, Mark. Okay, thanks, guys. Mark Pope with Jerem Jordan on BYU Sports Nation. Obviously, I mean, you don't want to think about anything but the game immediately following it, but the next thing would be potentially the NIT or your season's over. So I'm glad you asked the question.
5: Sure, yeah. And uh, I get that he didn't want to talk about it in that moment, but, yeah, we, we talked about the case for or against BYU or whatever. We didn't say against, but... Yeah, it'd be nice if BYU could make the NIT. Sure, uh, but if this is how it ends, I'd, hey, it, it was a tough season, and you look uh, forward to the off season. Can BYU get a leg up on the next season by getting ready? If it's not in the NIT, if that's the case, I would almost prefer that because BYU's got a lot of work to do.
4: Wow, yeah, I mean, what a—I'm trying to define this season
5: <laughs> without saying the word up and down or roller coaster. Yes. Uh, is there enough. is
4: there anything else that you can describe it as the, other than a roller coaster? Because that that is the best way I can just explain it.
5: I'm excited about the challenge that's ahead, like Mark was talking about, and certainly BYU's got to get better. byu always got to get two or three players better than anyone they had on the roster last year.
1: The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. There's a
3: topic that's been a buzz for some time, but now it seems to be gaining traction, especially with the national writers. Um, do you feel that there's more smoke or actual fire to the recent rounds of Big 12 expansion talk at the cost of the Pac-12? Fire. What do you,
0: what do you think? Fire. Fire. Yeah. Like not smoke. Like grab your kids, grab your wife. <laughs> Everybody, get out get out. I, I, I think it's, I think it is. And, you know, what's, what's interesting, the last time we had this announcement um, of an alliance, of a conference alliance, what happened? Two teams ended up leaving, right? Oh. Um, two teams ended up leaving from that alliance. And then, you know, a couple weeks ago, we had the same similar type of announcement of alliance between uh, the, the, the remaining members of the Pac-12 saying, we staying together, we staying strong. And then what happened s- s- slowly after that? started hearing the rumors. So every time I see or hear an alliance, I'm thinking, you know what, it's, it's not good. It's time to get out. This is, so the alliance and, and coming out to social media, that's the smoke. It seems like you, you
3: put out a statement that nobody's leaving after you're not sure if everyone's staying. So you ask everybody, guys, let's, are we all staying? (laughs) So I can put out a statement saying we're all staying. Uh, and, and so that happens. But USC and UCLA broke the, the mold. Yeah. One, um, I don't know if you can trust anybody anymore, yep. uh, especially in, in the ACC, where you've got Florida State and others looking out for their best interests, trying to figure out how to get out of this enormous land rights deal. Yeah. To, and, and then over here in the Pac-12, um, can Washington and Oregon ever be trusted because they trusted USC and UCLA, and they bolted on them. Right. Um, and they want to go to the Big Ten, the Big Ten's not inviting them yet, uh, but but the fact that they want to go makes it hard for you to go, but so you're going to stay? Right. Well, we're going to stay right up until we get asked to go. <laughs> and I don't know how you do a deal there. Apparently, that they're having a hard time getting their TV deal done together, because I don't know how you, how you package a four- or five-year plan yeah. when you don't know if after next year the top dogs in your league are even going to be there, because yeah. they've already told you they want to go.
0: Right, right. And that's... Th- I think that's the issue and why it's 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 it is fire at this point because there's so many so much uncertainty Um, base everything obviously is going to come down to that contract. And what what I see is if if Oregon and Washington if they don't like that contract well we're we're hearing reports that they can go to the they're willing to go to the Big Ten and take less money. Obviously that would make sense if that new contract is going to be less than what they would make less. Um, at the in the Big Ten, right? It, it's a it's a no brainer. And so then from a from a um, provider standpoint, so if I'm Amazon or from Apple, I don't I don't know if I want to put up that much money because Washington and, and Oregon may leave, right? Yeah. Um, and so now I'm I'm left with um, you know less of a, of an appeal, appealing product um, than I than I was to begin with. Um, and so I think that's why you see Colorado, um, Utah, uh, or um, uh, Arizona, Arizona State saying, you know what, we got to start looking out for ourselves. Because no one else is looking. No
3: one in the Pac-12 cares what Arizona thinks. No. At least I think that's what Arizona feels. Right. And Arizona State's been down for a little bit and who knows their thing. And Colorado should have never left the Big right. 12 anyway, but, but they're, they're there. And, and I think Utah's the odd team out because the Big 12 commissioner wants land. Yeah. He, doesn't, well, he want, doesn't want two teams in the same land. He wants land, right. and he wants a time zone. And that doesn't add up for Utah. If I'm Utah, I'm completely nervous about yeah. what's going down. Maybe it'll shake out and, and everyone wins and you come out ahead, but, but right now it, it could be uh, a glorified Mountain West conference if Oregon and Washington go elsewhere and the Arizona schools in Colorado go to the Big 12.
0: Can you um, imagine that? They, you know what's going to happen? They're going to go independent.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, we know someone who's done that. It worked out in the long run. But I think they're in a, they're in a tough spot, yeah. and, and, and all they can do, they have no leverage in that league. All, yeah. they have to do, all they can do is wait and see what Oregon and Washington decide what's best for everybody. But I like what, what the Big 12 is doing in that uh, it's, it's solidified. It's going to lose Texas and Oklahoma. That's yeah. huge. Right. That's like losing USC and, and UCLA. We, we all get that. But the core stays in place with the addition of the four teams, including BYU. Yeah. Uh, and now it's... Uh, I think Gonzaga is still very much on the table for yeah. the Big 12 to bring them in for basketball. Now they're talking about bringing Villanova in for basketball and Gonzaga, maybe a couple other schools, and doing a separate deal. Here's our basketball contract. Here's our football contract. And in the long run, basketball is a the tough. They could have their own national tournament in the yeah, Big 12. Yeah, yeah. They could
0: do that, and now, now there's double the money. Yeah, and, and, and this is... This is the type of, of innovative thinking that, um, you know, college programs that they, that they need from a, from a leadership standpoint. You know, th- things have been going a certain way for so long. And, and now that you have technology, you, you have more viewership than, than ever, and, and more eyeballs and, and opportunities of, of more eyeballs on the product, um, having, having ways and, and ideas to, to be innovative and, and think outside the box, to you know, make the product more appealing, but also um, you know make money for the the programs. I mean, this this is what the Big Twelve is, is doing right now. Um, yeah, the, the SEC by default they have, they have the best product, right? You can say that with the Big Ten as well. But when it comes to At the least leadership, the upper teams. right, right, the upper teams, right. But when it comes to the the leadership, you know. Does the SEC, if you have a good product, do you really? And if you're the number one, you know, if you're a macho, man. Do you really have to do too much, you know, to, to you just got to maintain. Yeah. Um, and so w- we saw what, what happened and it's what's happening to the Pac-12. If, if you stay stagnant, if you don't have new ideas and new ways of thinking, eventually, you know, you start to crumble. So I'm, I'm happy that BYU is in a situation where, you know, they have a leader in leadership that is always thinking, you know, forward thinking being innovative, and being creative. When Brett Yarmark was here for the Baylor
3: game, and he sat down on our game day set, and we had The Rock behind us, uh, perfect weather, sold-out stadium, yep. uh, national showdown, the Bears ranked ninth, I think, yep. uh, coming into that. And he looked around, and the mountains were there, and he just said, wow. Mm-hmm. He goes, this is, this is the big time for a guy coming from big-time right. entertainment, the yep. industry. And he's come to Provo, Utah, and looked around going, wait a sec, this mm-hmm. is... This is the future of the Big 12. Yeah. This addition, and he went to Houston and Cincinnati and Central Florida. But we had him uh, uh, yeah, with the away. microphone under his chin and and talking about BYU in that setting, and um, and, it, and he was he was impressed. Yeah. And and, and BYU is you know is is, is, an, is seen as an asset to him, not a well we got a we got a mountain school. Right. right. Uh, but he had to come here to see it and watch his expression, and then to see what he's going to going, You know, I want more. I want another time zone. Yeah. I want, hey, why not, why not we get Gonzaga? And then we got Gonzaga, Kansas, Arizona, and everybody else in the same basketball league. Yeah. That's insane. It is. So why not do it if you can? And, and that seems to be what he's got going on. But it feels like there's something imminent, yeah. especially this month. It feels like the future of the Pac-12, the Big 12, even the ACC, is riding on this yeah. month with all the noise that yeah. we're hearing.
0: Well, once that, the, the announcement of the, the contract, once that drops next week, Things things will get interesting, yeah. right? And, and I'm, I, I'm trying to keep that PG, you know, that comment PG interesting. Thank you. It's a family you're, show. You're welcome. You know, <laughs> just, just, just trying to, you know, uh, play, my, play my role.
1: The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week. Here on the best of BYU Sports Nation.
3: What's Trending is presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Spring football's here. Practice resumes later today on this Wednesday. It'll be the second one. Which
0: position group are you
3: most interested in watching as, as these spring drills
0: roll out? Um, you know, obviously I said the kickers at the beginning of the show, but that was uh, obviously a lie. Um, <laughs> with, with me, you know, I was, I was intrigued with this question because... I would normally say the DBs, right? But for me, it's the running backs. And mostly because of, of Miles Davis. I, I know he came on a little bit late in the season, um, got hurt, right? So we didn't really get to see if he was able to be consistent. But we know that, that in Miles Davis, he's a home run guy. Um, I, I, kinda, I kinda think of him like a Reggie Bush type of guy where he may not be in every single down, but when he does get the ball, when he when he has the opportunity, um, his his vision, his shiftiness, and, and his ability to to make a read, stick his foot in the ground, and then go, um, I, I, I think he could be a big play guy for for BYU. There's also a couple other guys as well, um, Aiden Robbins, which you know I've heard you know, meets the eye test, right? Um, you know, a couple of former players that I talked to recently that, that went to practice said that he just looks like a monster. And he's out. He's sitting out spring. He's got his wrist in the cast from surgery. And then, of
3: course, uh, you got Martin, L.J. Martin, who's still in high school. Yep. Uh, four-star kid coming. Those two are going to factor in big time in the fall.
0: The other guys, however, <laughs> Hinkley Rapati made some noise at the end of the season. And, and I'm excited about Hinckley because of... How he how he came on last year, there was times and moments where, where we were like, man, what's up with the running game, right? We like we got to get this figured out. And when he came on, he had an explosive explosive game. And we I still remember it here in the studio, we were scratching our heads. Like I was like, who's this kid? Where he come from? Um, and his his ability to catch the ball uh, out of the backfield in the screen game, and then when he's in the open field and and has some linemen in front of him, I mean. Look out! I mean, he's, he's he he has the ability to be another big play guy as well, and Cl- clearly he wasn't in the Boise State scout. Right, right, exactly, you know, exactly. Right,
3: fifth string running back, and this and that, and I'd hand it off to him, throw him that screen pass. He goes fifty
0: some yards for At, a touchdown. We're like, whoa! They they were confused, just like we were confused, <laughs> you, you know. And um, and and so usually when you when you think about big plays. At BYU specifically, what do we think about receivers, right? Right. Quarterbacks, receivers. Most recently, um, our athletic or or running quarterbacks are making the big plays as well. But I think this is the first time in a while that BYU has a a core group of guys that can get it done, can make those explosive plays, and can be true playmakers.
3: What about Soljay Mayava-Peters, who played quarterback in the New Mexico Bowl, won the game. Uh, We saw him running all over the place. Uh, he's been moved to a running back. Yep. So, uh, how, how, much, uh, how much attention should we be paying to Solje? I, I,
0: I like this move because in the, when I was watching him in the ballgame, I was like, this is, this is a running back playing quarterback. Yeah. Uh, I like the game plan, right? Another opportunity to, to get your, your uh, opponent off guard. But you saw what he did in, in his ability to, to take big hits. Um, shifty as well. And I would, I would say, you know, A-Rod, he likes to, to do a lot of these trick plays and gadget plays, right? It's another opportunity to put the back in maybe do some, some a, a flea flicker or, you know, all the crazy type of gadget plays that we've seen. That's just another opportunity, another weapon that the defense has to plan for. So, again, all of these guys that we've mentioned that we've seen so far up to this point, big play guys um, and, and, and can make a play, you know, when their number is called. There are a lot of guys who are sitting
3: out from injury, and, and so fall camp will be really intriguing as they do legitimate position battles. I'm watching the quarterbacks uh, just because that's such an important position, and Keaton Slovis, uh, we, we saw him work out the other day, we listened to him, uh, everyone around him is, is saying the right things, yep. uh, Aaron Roderick said "Look looked like he's been here forever. Uh, which is what you want to hear from a new guy coming in because that means he's got some command of the playbook. Yep, yep. Um, and, and so I'm watching that just because that is the key heading into into the big 12. All the positions are important, and you need depth everywhere. But to have a quarterback who's got 34 P5 starts under his belt, uh, uh, P5 opponents, he's faced under right. his belt, I just think that's uh, the best thing BYU could ask for going yep. into their first, Uh, big 12 season. So I I like him. Uh, Jake Retzleff, he's got his tonsils out. He'll be back. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to be interesting. He's the junior college transfer. Uh, number he, he, one of the country. He waited,
0: he waited until spring ball I don't know his, why, but that's just what happened. You know, when you, I, I, can attest, coming from a junior college, you know, you, you get insurance, you get medical, you know, yeah, you get, it's a whole new world. So to, start to patch up. <laughs> start to
3: patch up finally. Ryder Burton, the high school kid, Kate Fennegan, uh, who's healthy, and I, I think, and Kalani said it uh, yesterday. They, they are, they are strong at quarterback. They're advanced at quarterback more so than. Than maybe the other positions on the team, but but I, I just want to watch Slovis uh, hit those receivers and and get a, the grip on the offense because I I really believe he's the key for BYU competing into the middle of the Big Twelve in their debut season and that that would put them in a in a bowl game with the biggest payout they that that they've ever had in school history if, that know, would be the
0: cheese at bowl if we could if we could make it to a bowl game BYU could make it to a bowl game I mean that that's kind of the standard right. Uh, For every single year. But if they can do that going for the first year, going to the Big 12, I I mean, it it would be it would be like it would be like make it to the playoffs to me. Right. I I would say if BYU made it to a bowl game for the first year in in the Big 12, I would identify that as, hey, we made it to the playoffs. We made it to the playoffs. That, that's what I would say.
3: Twenty-three days until the the spring scrimmage on BYU TV. That means there's 23 days for it to stop snowing, <laughs> warm up, so that that they can get out of the indoor practice facility and and onto the grass. And I think that uh, that's not going to happen this week. It yep. Doesn't look like with uh, the kind of winter we've had. But but to get at the stadium and, and get out there and start throwing it around um, will be a big thing. But but hey, back in the day, they didn't even have an indoor practice facility, and so you just had to deal with the storms. Yeah. This is giving BYU a chance to get after it.
0: Yeah, you know, I I heard you know from some of the older guys, especially you know going back on Alumni Day, of how lucky I am um, because when they played and practiced, they didn't have it at indoor facility. So. Um, and I said, you know what? I'm, i i, I maybe lucky, but I probably wouldn't have came here <laughs> if we didn't have an indoor. Um, <laughs> that would have so been the deal breaker. That would, yeah, you know that would outside. You know, a kid, a kid from now. I don't, I, I didn't know how the snow. You know, it, it snows and then three hours later it melts. I didn't know that. Knowing that information, this is this, it's not a problem. But a kid from Cali, and coming to Utah and seeing the snow. You know that 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 would that would turn me off but um I, i'm blessed i'm I'm grateful that that we have that and those guys you know do um, now as, as well so um, you know we, we talked about which 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 group is you know exciting for us but now let's let's move to topic two and talk about which team or which group you're more intrigued with intrigued is a is a, is an interesting word it
3: goes a number of different directions i like uh Um, the notion of so many things about this football team, but the kicking game's a bit of a mystery. And I'm intrigued as to how they replaced Jake Oldroyd. Now Oldroyd at times was uh, among the best kickers in the country, and as life goes there were times where, where he struggled. When he struggled at parts last season, we saw the impact it had on the game. Um, and, and on the approach to the offense. Yep. So if you get that back to where you got a kicker that you can trust, uh, then you can worry about all the other things. There's Cash Peterman, Justin Smith, Will Ferrin. Uh, one of those guys is going to be the new Jake Oldroyd. Think about it. Jake Oldroyd won Kalani's first game for him way back in 2016. With the cleats, right? With the green <laughs> cleats. At Arizona. I was down there for that, covering it for BYU TV. It was phenomenal. That was so long ago. And now all of a sudden, we, now we have a new kicker. Right. We saw Justin Smith a little bit uh, during the struggles that that Jake had had, and, and now it's 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 time to sign up somebody new and, and give him the job. And Kalani even mentioned that the other day, saying, um, "I'm curious to see how the kickers are gonna are gonna are gonna pan out." That is such a big position, and I know I know how you feel about kickers. And often on game day, I'm I'm Man. I'm persecuted for saying, "You know what? The, the kicking game's going to be
0: big today." <laughs>
3: but it it is and you notice
0: it when you don't have it yeah you're right it's it is one of those things where you 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 take for granted and and when you don't have it and it's not there you do start to notice it and it it reminds me of being a playing corner corners that have quiet games are usually good They're, they're doing their job right um and same thing with 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 kickers if 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 the spotlight is all on the kickers 24-7, if the kickers are being talked about in the media, that's not that's not a that's not a good sign. And, and you're right. You know, we, we don't understand how the, the coaching and the, the strategy, the philosophy, you know, at, at each individual drive um, makes a difference when you know you have a solid kicker or, or you don't. Right? right now, instead of saying, hey, we're in field goal range, um, let's just manage this drive we're saying, okay, now we got to score, yep. right? And then I know defensively as well, um, it just it sucks the life out of you. When, when you. when you go out, you make a stop, your offense drives at, you know, 80 yards and then you miss a field goal, it's, it's like you, you want, turn around and you're like, Who do, I want to kill somebody. I'm going to shake somebody. Think you about know what the I mean? Baylor game.
3: Yeah. Baylor game, Old Droid drops, runs out to the field. It's like, oh, well, this game's over. It's going to kick a 37-yard field goal. All right. Win the game. Misses. Twice. Overtime. Here comes a 35-yard field goal. It's like, okay, now the game's over. Misses that. Yeah. And the defense ends up having to win the game, holding uh, Baylor on fourth down uh, as they attacked the end zone, and those feelings used to never exist. It was like it was Jake the Make. Right, right. But Jake the Make's a human being, and he was in a bit of a struggle.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, when that kicking game is... is shored up. It's like, all right, we're inside the 40. We got three points. Now we yep. can kind of gamble on some plays yep. because we know we're going to come away with some points as opposed to down at the five yard line. It's like, should we go for it? Right. It's, it's, a, it's a luxury. The it's NFL's dealing with that now, too. Now they, they move the extra point line back. Right. Their kicks going all over the place this last season to where teams were going, you know what? I think our best chance is mm-hmm. to get three yards on our own. Right. Uh, and, and, and get for two. Now, all right, what are you most intrigued about?
0: The defense. Um, and, you know, Clearly, the defense struggled last year. Um,
3: Is it the physicality of the defense or the mindset of the defense?
0: The identity. I want to see the identity. Uh, so many times throughout, uh, I would say the last couple of years, we, we've seen uh, the, the defense go into uh, each week with a new game plan. Um, you know, when I, With us, when I played, we ran a 3-4. Our base defense was 3-4, was qu- quarter, quarter, half. If anybody asks me what defense I ran, that's what I ran. And, you know, based off of our opponent and who we're playing, you know, we, we would game plan and, and tweak things here and there that would uh, put us in situations to be successful. But we weren't coming up with a whole new playbook each and every week. Right. Just like how these guys were were last year and, and for the last couple of years. And, and to, me, to me, my heart goes out to them, because how can you you know, manipulate your style of play within within the playbook. Right. With, within the scheme. Uh, we, we talked about it earlier in the show. You spring ball is an opportunity for veteran guys to go out and say, you know what, I've been doing this and this as and this well. Let me try to do this a little bit. Let me see if I could do this or let me take, you know, this plan or, or this technique from this guy that I see in the NFL and, and, and implement it here. You can't do that if you don't have a foundation, right? If you don't know what you're doing each and every week, yeah. how can you have that, that extra opportunity to, to, to manipulate and, um, you know, make things your own? And and so for me, I, I want to see what the identity is. Are, are these guys, um, you know, running a 3-4, a 4-3? Four, a, a four, are these guys, you know, going to be flying around? You know, something with us in Bronco was always... These guys, it's a physical defense. Yeah, these guys are physical. No matter what, we—they're these are grown physical men, right? They're—they're they're, these are grown men, and they got kids and wives, and they're—and they're, and they're going to be physical. That—that that was our identity, and 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 we took pride in that. And at, at the end of the day, we can always—you can always reset when you're going through some struggles, the highs or lows. You can always reset and say, you know what, the guys, we're not playing. Like, like, like we know how to play. This yeah. isn't us. But this right here, this is us. Let's, let's turn things around and play the smash-mouth football. So I'm, in, I'm, I'm intrigued to see, to see that. Um, and, and specifically, is it, is it, is it a 3-4 or is it a 4-3 defense?
3: I've, all four new defensive coaches have been here on BYU Sports Nation. They've all talked about this, this attitude. A lot of their guys are out. You know, Justin Ennis' top two linebackers aren't participating in drills because they're recovering from, from injuries in Max Tooley and Ben Bywater. So it's like, so, well, what can you get done? Right. And he said, I'm looking for, I'm looking for attitude. I'm looking mm. for the mentality of this team is now practicing as a Big 12 team for the first time ever, uh, not as an independent team. Uh, and, and so the mentality of the 10-game grind that's coming up Against 10 P5s back to back, starting with Arkansas and then into league play, is massive. And so so here's where the attitude starts, and then you get into the summer and all that stuff. But you got Isaiah Banya, Michael Daly, Jackson Cravens, Eddie Heckard, all new faces to the defense. Heckard's this All American. Corner from Weaver State, yep. uh, Banya and Cravens from Boise State up front, and Daly's back from his mission. He's related to David Nixon, so you know he's tough as nails. Right, right, yeah. And so <laughs> these guys, spring's very important to them because they are adjusting to the newness of, of playing at BYU.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a fun time. It's, 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 it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. And, you know, I missed last, last practice, but I'm there for the rest of the time.
1: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation.
3: Tyler Batty, the big man, feeling healthy, ready to go. Welcome.
6: Thanks, it's great to be here. After day one, what are some thoughts? Uh, awesome. Honestly, our first spring ball practice was a lot of fun, uh, high energy, uh, and it's just always good to be back out with the guys, you know, working out and on the field and drilling and all that. So,
3: what is the difference uh, practicing as an independent versus now practicing as a member of the Big
6: Twelve? You know, it's a, it's, it's different. There's, there's just a little, little twists and changes here and there. I think the biggest thing is, uh, guys. You know, realize that yeah, we're part of something bigger now. We're part of the Big 12, and and uh, you know, it's on everybody's mind. You know, what's what's on the table this year?
3: Is it, is there some coolness, or is it a little fear, or a little both?
6: Um, I don't, I think for most of us, it's just we're just super excited to be in a conference. You know what yeah. I mean? For yeah. the majority of us here, we've never played in a conference, so
0: right, right. So I was on a team where we had a new defensive coordinator took over, which is Bronco, uh, middle of the season, so a little bit different than you guys. But um, the the energy, the vibe, everything changed, specifically with a lot of the the second string and the third string guys. I mean, the guys that were injured were healthy. Guys, you know, that were running four sixes, they ended up running four threes at practice because there was an opportunity for them to um, come in and, and start because – our previous uh, defensive coordinator got let go. So, have you seen any any of that where you've had you know the kind of these practice warriors, what we used to call them, um, that are helping to increase the competition?
6: Yeah, absolutely. Again, I think everyone's you know with just the the newness of everything, everyone's picked it up a notch. You know what I mean? There's a lot of a lot of excitement. There's a lot of unknowns, right? So maybe maybe you know guys are nervous. I think there's definitely some of that. And so yeah, I would I would definitely say guys are just you know out there competing every day, which is awesome
3: what's your early take on the Jay Hill defense? What's different
6: about it um you guys uh, we've heard a lot from Coach Hill already, you know what i mean on on his style of calling and just the way he likes to to play defense and so uh it's gonna be it's gonna be aggressive, you know what i mean he's he's he, i i love Coach hill you know he's he's awesome he's he's an intense dude he's aggressive. Uh, and, and I really enjoy that, you know, and so um, it's it's going to be different, you know, of course, a little bit different scheme. But I think, you know, philosophy, um, you know, his philosophy is a little bit different than what we've seen in the past. So
0: we, we talked um, a little bit earlier about the identity of the defense and, and how, you know, the last couple of years, you, you guys were going into weekly matchups, you know, with a new scheme. And I, I thought having somebody like, like Coach Hill would come in and kind of lay that foundation and, and provide that identity for you guys. Ha, have, has he talked about that identity um, and, and what he wants you guys to be? Or, or even, you know, for you guys in, in your group, what, what do you guys want to be known at as going into the Big 12?
6: Yeah, absolutely. Coach Hill has, you know, he has sat down with us and, you know, he just said, Hey, we're going to be, you know, fundamentally an assignment sound players, right? As a defense, we're going to be extremely sound. Um, and like I said, you know, aggressive, yeah. is that's that I think that's going to be the underlying uh, underlying theme to a lot of this is
0: aggressive like like blitzes yeah. Like blitzing
6: yeah yeah just just the whole mentality yeah you're going to see you know you're going we're going to see more blitzes we're going to see um different looks uh that you know we haven't necessarily seen from from a BYU defense in the past couple years and so um and then you know as as a D line I think uh a big thing that you know that us players have talked about is is we just want to emulate, you know, that same thing. We just want to be tough-nosed, you know, violent, just getting after it, aggressive every play, just taking care of business and, and having fun doing it. That's, that's kind of the identity, you know, we want as a D-line. You,
0: you guys can uh, choose violence.
6: Yeah, we yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. We, we, luckily for us, we can solve our problems <laughs> with violence, yeah.
3: Tyler Batty's here with us on BYU Sports Nation. Kelly Popinga is back. Mm-hmm. coaching the rush ends. He is here to help you get to the quarterback more often. You got eight career sacks. I know you want a lot more than that. How can his influence help you and, and some of the newcomers on the ends get to the quarterback?
6: Yeah, absolutely. Again, um, part of that is you know the change in philosophy of how, how we approach rushing the passer. Um, and then of course, Coach Papinga brings a lot to the table, right? He brings a lot of experience uh, to the table. You know, he's put up. He's he's coached a lot of really good players, and you know, um, it's we're all super excited to have him. And so, as as he you know has brought his influence in and kind of you know started to change things up, it's definitely um, it's definitely different. And again, it's going to be a lot more focused on putting hands on that quarterback.
3: When you think of what uh, what Popinga did with Kyle Van Noy and and Ziggy Ansah and that group that came through there. That grabs your attention real quick, doesn't it?
6: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look at those guys in the NFL and what the what they're doing and what they have done, and so um, to have someone like Coach K-pop, you know, here it's we're super excited.
0: I was I was a part of that um, team where he when when Bronco took over, um, he was a graduate assistant at the time and then became um, a coach. And it was not a good feeling for the defense, you know, yelling and, uh, you know, high energy, intense. I mean, at the time, we, we hated all the defensive coaches, um, but looking back at it, you know, we, we appreciate how he was able to motivate us and, and get things turned around. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest things that I've, I've themes I would say I've heard um, so far from you guys is, is, is change, right? Um, change in mentality, change in philosophy and scheme individually um what are you doing in regards to, to change to to you know to, to better yourself
6: yeah absolutely um as you know there's a lot of things that go into right. the game of football right so mentally physically um you know i think the biggest things that i'm really looking to change this off season right is just one uh being healthy staying healthy getting bigger faster stronger You know that's the base and then of course um then it's all the technical stuff right so technique playing the run technique rushing the passer you know improving my get off you know is something that i'm that i'm really uh, looking on looking to improve right that first step and all those things that are going to help me be more effective you know as a pass rusher and in the run defense
3: we sat down together for an interview before the east carolina game last year team had lost three straight really struggling and even some former guys had come in to kind of rally the troops and you had emerged as this leader through the course of the season and that's why we sat down and and you too wanted you wanted more heart from the guys and you played with more heart against east carolina they won in the last few seconds and then you went on to win four games in the the bowl game and finished the year with with some momentum Uh, now you start fresh but you're still the leader the emotional leader what ways do you look to to influence the others and, and and help them go, hey, we play for something a little bit more here. We got to have your physicality, you got to have your heart in it.
6: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, w- I would just say um, we have a really good group of guys right on the team and, and they're h- the hardest workers you're going to find, you know, they really are. And so uh, just, I love, you know, how the guys have bought in, um, how we've all bought in collectively, you know, to a new staff. That's a tricky, that's a tricky change, right? guys you know have been here for three or four years like myself yeah. with the staff and then all of a sudden I mean again you know how it is it's all of a sudden new staff and new coaches and uh, just seeing the way guys have bought in um, to the things we're doing now has been awesome uh, because you know when the season rolls around that's that's what we're going to need is we're going to need that buy-in we're going to need that effort and like you said that heart you know, when we get into some tough games this fall, which we definitely will.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know how we bought in um, sprints, and, <laughs> and, and we when we do the sprints right, um, how we would get guys to buy in is is going over and slapping them on the helmet. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's 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 fun to see you guys um, from day one. Um, you know, have that that chemistry to where, you know, you don't have to go and slap people upside the helmet. Um, they could they could follow leaders. You know, like yourself. Um, and and you know something that that really uh is is always intriguing for me especially with with byu and and strength and conditioning program you know there's also new faces there um what's what's that change been like because i said earlier in the show this is probably so fall camp and then uh, winter conditioning is the worst time for an athlete because of the the pain that you go through mentally and physically. Lilo had so how a is bad that experience? <laughs> I, I I will I will speak for 95 of, percent of athletes, um, especially at, at BYU, right? So so how's that experience been like?
6: Uh, honestly, it's been again just different, but it's been awesome, you know, with the new with the new strength staff, you know, they've came in and and really focused on what we need to be doing better, right? And so it's like first thing, you know. The best ability is availability. We need our guys healthy, right? We need to be healthy um, and then of course, okay, we need to be explosive, we need to be fast, uh, we need to be strong and so that's kind of the foundation that they've laid as a new strength staff of just well these these are the things we're committed to doing and 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 what's been awesome is they are just they're they're looking. At every possibility of how we can gain an advantage. And that's and that's been really cool. And you know, they've been a great example of just how to get better.
3: All right, last question for you, Tyler. You went against Zach Wilson in practice, you went against Jaron Hall in practice. What is your early assessment of Keaton Slovis? He's a good quarterback.
6: Yeah, absolutely. He's a good Meaning? quarterback. He's smart. So I I mean, at the quarterback position, right, you have to be smart. And he he's smart, he understands football. Um, he understands defenses and, and he, you know, he's, he's gotten into our offensive scheme really quickly, um, you know, and settled in. And, and so. Uh,
3: How about the arm?
6: And he can throw. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he can. He can throw. So, um, yeah, Keaton's awesome. It's been great to get to know him. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited for our offense as well and what they're going to be able to do this year with him.
3: Well, we know you have practice this afternoon. Indeed. Stay healthy. We'll see you at the scrimmage here in a few weeks. And uh, we hope the snow gets out of here so you can get on the field instead of the indoor turf. But uh, uh, you're a great example to the others, and you are a leader, and you you play with heart. And uh, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Well,
1: thank you. It's great to be here. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
3: The Cougar whip Arounds presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner.
0: The New York Jets have met with Aaron Rodgers and are discussing a potential trade with the Green Bay Packers. Would that be a good, bad, or ugly move for Zach Wilson's future? I think it'd be good. We know they're already friends, they kind of bonded
3: during the preseason a couple seasons ago. Right. Rodgers has always had good things to say about Zach. Zach could learn a lot from a, a Hall of Famer, yeah. Super Bowl champion, and might just give, to put all the pressure on Rodgers, and you know how great Jets fans are, but it might just give Zach a chance to take a breath, watch and learn, uh, as opposed to just going out and doing it from the start, yeah. uh, which, which he struggled with. Uh, and allows him to reboot a little bit. If Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets, Jets fans will think they're going to the Super Bowl, (laughs) but Zach Wilson can look at that and go, you know what, I'm gonna be able to make it, because now I got someone to to guide me and show me the way.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, You look at Aaron Rodgers and, and his career, right, who he sat behind, Brett Favre for a little bit, and um, you know you, you, you learn the game, but you also learn how to be a professional off the field as well well how to conduct yourself, how to how to work, right? You get those insights that you don't really you know learn um, you know, being a starter and being thrown into the fire. So and, and yeah, at, at the end of the day, um, as a quarterback, especially for the Jets, you just want to make the roster. I just right? don't even know why Aaron
3: Rodgers wants a- to go to the Jets. That's a whole other another thing. Lauren Gustin was named to the, WCC All-Tournament team. She had over 500 points and 500 rebounds this season, the first in all of college basketball this year, men or women. Will she repeat 500 and 500 next year in the Big 12? That would be 1,000 and
0: 1,000 in two seasons. That would be crazy. Look, I'll I'll say this from my own experience. Whenever I play Oklahoma, Florida State, I, I throw Utah in there as well, TCU, um, you know, bowl games when, when I play Oregon State, it was a different type of athlete that I went up against compared uh-huh. to the Mountain West. Right, right. Everybody was bigger, faster, and stronger, um, and so it, the games were more challenging. It, it was tougher to, to get, you know, to, to make plays. All my interceptions and my, my big time plays, my tackle for losses. Wyoming, New Mexico <laughs> State. You know, I gave up a couple of touchdowns against TCU, Florida State. You know what I'm saying? So. That's the type of competition she's gonna be facing week in and week out. It'll be, it'll be tough for her. However, her work ethic, I, I think, will allow her to compete. Maybe not at that level, but still at a, at a high level. It'll be fun to see. Um, a lot has been made on BYU Twitter in the last week about the Cougars entering the Big 12 uh, with the largest arena in the conference. How many wins is that worth?
3: I think it's worth two or three in the first year. Everyone's got to come here. It's hard to play here. Yep. Gonzaga played here 12 times, and they had a hard time in a lot of those games. And they were number two, number three in the country. They were big 12-type teams coming in. Uh, And so even after six or seven years, they'd still come here, like this last season, and we're lucky to get out of here with a win. So I, I, I like the Marriott Center uh as a surprise to these teams these teams are coming in stocked they're they're good they're top 20 all that stuff so i think two or three but down the road the marriott center can become the the most feared venue in uh in the big 12. kansas is a historic venue against McDonald All-American players, all right? right, right. So you go to Kansas, it's all this stuff, and you're playing the best. When BYU rebuilds its roster to Big 12 quality, and that's gonna take a little while, and the Marriott Center, that's a winning combination.
0: And you know what, too? The elevation, the lungs. We forget about that part, right? Yeah, yeah, so now as an throw athlete. All in there. As yeah. an athlete, I am worried about the noise and I'm worried about breathing. And the which, rocks. Which, which don't forget the, the rock. The, the rock, rock too.
3: They, they they rock. The Big Twelve <laughs> introduces a Big Twelve basketball anthem for the conference tournament. The anthem is a track called No Nights Off by artist PL. What
0: would the anthem be for BYU going into the Big Twelve? For me it's it's started from the bottom by Drake. And and the, the words <laughs> somebody <laughed>. laughs yeah, she she gets it. Um, it, it these are the lyrics started from the bottom and now we're here and the song you know goes on but it makes sense um, when you're independent right aside from from Notre Dame but usually when you're independent compared to being in the conference you know you you're, you have some type of family some type of recognition I would say yeah um, and and. By not being uh, uh, in a conference, you know you, you kind of start from the bottom. So we we surpassed all of the other G fives and, and went to the top. So, yeah, shout out to to Drake, who's my second favorite Canadian. Yeah, my anthem's gonna be helped by the Beatles. Never heard, never heard that. We need somebody <laughs> I have heard that. Have That's heard. a good
3: one. <laughs> That's my anthem going to go into the Big Twelve. When you're going into the toughest conference in America. You need some help. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and that's staring at the Cougars in, in November, just around the corner.
1: Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation.
3: Let's start with the current quarterback situation at spring practice. The team went through its second workout on Wednesday. So far, head coach Kalani Satake is happy with what he sees at the quarterback position. I thought he looked great. I thought all the quarterbacks looked really good, so uh, no complaints there with the QB. There's a lot of talent in that room. Bilo, are you expecting greatness from Keaton Slovis right away?
0: I, I'm, I'm hoping for it. Um, I don't know if I'm expecting it. You know, like, like I said earlier, the, the guys look good. The team looked good. He looked good yesterday. But I need to see it. I need to see it live, right? I, I need to see what's going to happen when, when it counts and when it matters. Um, anybody, so so when I used to play, we used to call certain uh, players uh, practice All-Americans. Pract- you're a practice All-American, meaning you you. Um, light it up, you know, you, you do everything right. You look like an All-American when you're practicing, but when you're in the game, you suck. <laughs> you know, And I'm not saying that's going to happen with him. It, it's just, it's a, it's a different mentality when you are in game situation. And then obviously for a quarterback, it's completely different as well because, you know, as, as we know, we, we're not allowed to touch the quarterbacks. and And so it's hard for a defense or I would say for even an offense to get a good gauge on if – the quarterback's getting sacked, if, if there's truly pressure there, um, because he could sit back and know, you know what, I'm not going to get hit, I don't have to worry about anything up front, so I'm going to stay cool, calm, and collective, and I'm going to, you know, throw these BBs, which is what we're seeing, you know, at, at practice. Um, however, his, his experience uh, up to his, you know, career up, up to this point, it, it gives me that confidence that what I'm seeing in, in practice for spring ball can carry over. Um, to, to to the field and and so you know the the fact that he's had so much experience he he can come in know the plays pick up on the playbook I'm 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 optimistic you know um, I, I've had some experiences in the past with quarterbacks uh, in spring ball or or fall camp that looked amazing and then when we got onto the field and and when the season started it so was, that was completely different so I I don't feel this way with him greatness is a is a is a big word. Um,
3: uh, can he be great? Uh, you know, time will tell. Uh, yeah. but, what, but a quality of greatness is, is leadership. And when you think of all the great quarterbacks at BYU, leadership's like their number one trait. Yeah. And then they could make the throws. And then they could do dramatic things. So Jim McMahon was a leader. Mark Wilson was a leader. Gifford Nielsen was a leader. Gary Schott, was a the leader. Yeah. Then you go to the other side. Steve Young, Robbie Bosco, and on and on and on. Uh, Jaron Hall was the leader. Before him, Zach Wilson was the leader. And then they made the great throws. I think this is where it's important in spring to become the leader. Uh, And then you go into off-season drills in the summer and individual workouts and all that stuff to come back in the fall camp. This is where he can be great. It's like, hey, I came from USC and Pitt, and I played in all these P5 games, uh, but I'm here now. and. I'm going to do what you're going to do. I'm going to win your trust, and we'll talk to Riley Nelson about that in a couple of minutes. but this is the way we're going to go and lead, and as he leads, he can become great. Yeah. That, I think it's where you get the stamp. And it might not be that they went uh, 10 and two. It might be that he was great in the first year of the big 12 because he led them into a six, seven, eight-win season.
0: And, and then we'll remember him as, man, he came in, and man, and he was great. Why yeah. was he great because he led? You make a really, really, really good point um, when it comes to leadership and, and you know, I don't want to say any names, but think, think back recently, um, maybe over the last 10 years when, when BYU went independent and, you know, we've, we've obviously had a number of different quarterbacks because of injuries and, and the guys that have had opportunities to, to step in and fill and, 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 you know, take on that role the teams that rallied or the offenses that rallied around, you know, those quarterbacks that had an opportunity were leaders. Right. And and you would hear stories of the guys that said uh, that, you know, you don't know what this what this guy's doing behind the scenes. Right. He, he may be quarterback number two or quarterback number three. But we see him early in the morning. We see him late, uh, you know, practicing with us. You know, this is a number two quarterback. And. He is spending an hour after practice is over throwing balls to us. So when it's his turn to get in the game, we already have that chemistry. We already have that relationship built up. And, and you know, speaking of, of Riley, I, I remember um, after I was done in 2010, coming back and, and watching some of the practices. And Bronco at the time uh, introduced the, the, the black um, swag, right? The, 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 the black gloves and the black cleats. And in order to, to, to get the equipment, you had to be on special teams and you had to do something special. So I remember Riley running down in practice on, on kickoff and being on kickoff return because, you know, one, yeah, everybody's trying to get the black swag. But two, that's just the type of leader he, he, he was. Right. And he is. Um, and so when, when I saw that, um, I'm like, man, that's 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 crazy, like for a quarterback. Right. But then when, it, when, when, it, when he had this opportunity later on that season to step in Utah State, what happened? Not only did the, the 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 guys rally around him, but the fans rallied around him, the community ran, rallied around him because of of that leadership. So I, I I think I think I think you're right. I think you know uh, Slovis has the intangibles, he he has um, you know the, the maturity to pick up the playbook, but now it's how can I gain the trust of of, of my guys in, in, in being a leader.
3: And in, in college, you gotta you gotta you gotta show them. It's yeah. like, follow me boys. Uh, in, in the pros, you know, Aaron, Roder- Aaron Rodgers could show up at the Jets and go, I'm Aaron Rodgers, you're all following me, and, yeah. and they will. But, but in college, you know, it's, it's like, okay, well, before I follow you, mm-hmm. show me you're willing to do everything that, that is required yeah. of a leader. And if he does that in spring, then he will be as big
0: of a find as Aaron Roderick yeah. thinks he is already leading them into the Big 12. Absolutely. Just, just like with the example with Riley. You know that that was more of a follow me, right? Let me let me show you guys. Yeah. Instead of, instead of hey, you guys need to do this, and we we talk about this all the time in the pre and post game shows when when players don't produce and 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 they walk up to the huddles and, and or they stand on the benches and they get all rah rah rah. We're, You know, us as players, we're like, sit down and <laughs> shut up. You, you, make a play first, and then, yeah. you know, I may consider listening to you. That's Be- what
3: made Kyle Van Noy so great. Yeah, Because yeah. he was rally on the sideline, and he was the one out making plays. Yep. And Riley's the perfect guy to talk to about Keaton Slovis and, and spring football because we saw the team follow him yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and dig their way out of a challenge, and they put together some good games. So that's coming up here in just yeah. a few minutes. There are other quarterbacks to talk about today.
0: Yeah, you know what, um, so let's talk about this alumni game for our, our topic uh, two. Um, which alumni game quarterback are you most excited to see we, play? We already
3: mentioned it's uh, Detmer Hall, Beck Doman, Matt Berry, and maybe a sixth. That seems yeah. to be a, the spot left. Maybe, uh, maybe a lefty from the Bay Area might be able to Steve, come late, Steve Young. the late edition. But let's. Uh, let, last year's game was, I don't know how we live up to last year's game. It was a Hail Mary finish. Brian Keel catches the winning <laughs> touchdown pass. You can't even <laughs> script that. Right, Max right, Hall right. Was, was back at the stadium. Uh, Kevin Federick was in there throwing. There's Mitch Matthews catching a touchdown. You can still get up. Yeah. You can still get up. But this was a, uh, it was a lot of fun. The inaugural um, game at the stadium. And now we come back, and it feels like it's bigger and better as, as we look at this roster. And that's the finish right there. And there's Brian Keel. And let me tell you, he has embellished that story <laughs> every day since. Now he's coming back. Yeah, and, yeah. and we'll see if he can, he can repeat it. But the fact that Ty Detmer is returning to Lavelle Edwards Stadium, yeah. the only Heisman Trophy winner in the history of the program to participate in this uh, alumni game, yeah. is spectacular as we watch him work. How big of a deal is it to have Ty on the roster? It, it,
0: it's huge. Um, you know, So I, I, would say, I would say this. When we started hearing, you know, the rumors of, of who was going to be, you know, on um, as far as the, the quarterbacks, you know, we heard Ty Detmer, we heard, you know, Steve Young, we heard John Beck. I immediately from a from a celebrity standpoint was like, I was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I get to be around. And then I started really then it hit me. Then reality hit me. And I said, wait a minute. I could be going up against these guys. Yeah, I need to get ready. You're going up against Ty Detmer. I, I need. Yeah, I need to get ready. Like, right. Like I started getting nervous. And so <laughs> I, you know, went to the gym. I uh, started doing some cardio, um, and then I even, I talked to, to, to Tom Homo at a, a women's basketball game, yeah. and I said, hey, Tom, I'm trying to get ready for, for the alumni game. Do you think Kalani would let me practice with the DBs? And he, <laughs> you know, he starts laughing, and then yesterday, that was my opportunity, so I, I talked to Coach G, and I said, Coach, uh, well, well, first I talked to Kalani. I said, hey, can I practice with, 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 the, with the DBs? He was like, I don't care. You just talk to Coach G, so I went you know, t- to, to sit down with Coach G, and I was like, I was like Coach, are you playing? And he was like, I'm not sure if I'm going to play yet. You know, He's on the roster. You know, last year, this. And I might just be a sideline coach. And I said, you know Steve Young might play right. And he goes, oh, oh, wait a minute. If Steve Young's playing, I'm playing. You know what it'd be like to, get, to intercept a ball from Steve Young? And that's how I think a lot Maybe of— Maybe that's why Steve isn't on the that, roster. You know, it, you know what? So, so I, you know, with that being said, when, when, when you hear the, the rumors— and, and you understand the quarterback factory, right? And think about it from a DB standpoint. We're both saying we would love to get to, to have an opportunity to intercept a ball from Steve Young. Think about on the other side, the receivers. What, what do you think about what they're saying? These guys that, that grew up watching John Beck or, or, or Ty and, and man, to have an opportunity to play with these legends is, is, is a whole nother level. It's one thing to go out as a player and, and understand what this what this logo represents in the guys before but it's another it's another world you know, you see, you see the smile on my face and how I'm lighting. Up. It's another world to be able to literally be stand by, you know, side by side with these guys and be able to go to battle. So it's it's a it's a it's a big deal. And you know, I'm I'm a little bit I'm a little bit of me. I'm kind of happy that Steve isn't coming because I, I told my mom I'm this. not ruling him out. We're just saying he's okay. not on the roster. Okay, well never mind then. I'm still. Let's a, talk about John Beck. I'm, I'm a little nervous then.
3: John Beck is is coming back. Yeah, uh, and and he had a, a unique BYU story when he played for two head coaches. Um, and he played young, and as he grew and developed, he turned into this amazing quarterback, over 11,000 yards, yeah. number three all-time at BYU. But he has a different investment in BYU football. Let's see, he, he coached and trained Zach Wilson in the yeah. offseason. He coached and trained Jaron Hall in the offseason. Yeah. He coached and trained Keaton Slovis in the offseason. Yeah. He was the go-between to get Slovis and BYU together to where now Slovis is the quarterback, and now John Beck's coming back onto the field.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it's... Um it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's amazing how he's still connected, right? Well, one, his career, but then two, still connected. Um, and and when, when I think about John Beck, I think of X's and O's, right? Somebody that just knows the game of football. And um, again, even though we're, we're done and we're not playing anymore, guys like myself, to, to, to be around legends like this that, that you can pick their brain, Right. And, and from a quarterback standpoint, a quarterback has to know every position, like literally on his his side and the other side. And so, you know, guys that are, are smart, guys that have had experience and they take advantage and put the work in, you know, like John, th- there, there's there's a, uh, uh, you know, infinity amount of, of, of information that uh, that he can give to us. And um, again, just to be around his presence. Um, is, is, is going to be amazing. And, and, I, and, and Ma- I- what about Max? Max comes back as the defending
3: champion, Max Hall. Also won yeah. more games than any of the big-name quarterbacks in the history of BYU. And I don't think anyone had more fun last year oh, yeah, than absolutely. Max to just come back to BYU. He yeah. had been through a lot of struggles off the field over the years. He comes back, he relaxes, he throws the football around, he's around his yeah. friends. We interviewed him like five times. <laughs> and uh, a smile
0: started here, went all the way yeah. over to here for Max you, you know, it, the, the thing that warmed my heart with, with Max was he, he was he said, you know, I was, I was really taken away by, um, you know, how welcoming everybody was. You know, the things that I went through in my past for me to come back and that not to be an issue and people to, to welcome me with, with open arms and loving arms. He was like, that, that's, that's, that's the best feeling, uh, you know, other than, than playing with you guys. And um, to, to, to me, so, so when I think about John Beck, I think, okay, X's and O's, you know, strategy. If I get an opportunity, I'm gonna ask him about these questions. When I see Max, I'm ready to go to war. You know, and, and I may be a little bit biased because I played with him, right? Like, and he used to yell at us if, in, in close games, like, get a stop and, you know, all that. But he, he, he's just somebody that's a competitor. And, and when I see Max, I'm like, yo, where I need to go. Do you want me to run to this wall? Like, do you, what do you want me to do? You know, um, I'm, I'm ready to, to fight with you. And, and we talked about it earlier. Uh, quarterbacks that, that have that, that leadership role, that, that, that is Max 100% because you see him talk. On the sideline, but then you see him produce, and then you see you see that little nastiness of him as well getting people's faces. So yeah. it rubs off on you.
1: The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The whip around is presented by Marisk, your
3: e-commerce logistics shipping partner.
0: Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark told the media yesterday, quote, I continue to have conversations with Gonzaga, but there are other things right now that I'm focused on, end quote. You know what else you Oh, go ahead. <laughs> How excited are you to see the Zags potentially follow BYU to the Big 12?
3: I think they are going to. Uh, it, 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 talking about what he's focused on, Dennis Dodge just put out a story this morning. There's something going on. Yeah. Your mark's going to get some teams from the Pac-12. Right. It's yeah. a matter of when, and that win could be pretty soon. But the the war drums are are, are sounding, that there's going to be a snag. And if if, if they snag Arizona, they're going to snag some other schools as well. That seems to be going down. I think Gonzaga's on the back burner, but it's coming. BYU will celebrate its first year in the Big 12 this fall. If they schedule an Air Force flyover, which game do you hope they choose? The season opener on September 2nd, the Big 12 opener against Cincinnati General Conference weekend, or the Oklahoma game? It's got to be the Big 12 opener. It's got to be. Friday night? Friday night. The only thing they run into trouble with is darkness, if the game's starting too late. Ooh. So I think the schedule's going to have to accommodate. Can we,
0: can we start the game a little bit earlier? You, you can make I,
3: that happen. You know what I like? I'd you like? You know people. I'd like three flyovers. <laughs> the start, the middle, and the end uh, oh with the Oklahoma game. There's going to be some. Dave yeah. Almodova and his crew are working on things. Start times will be a key, but it's going to be going stuff going on in the sky and
1: on the field as BYU joins the Big 12. Yeah, it's exciting times. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.